Welcome, one and all, to the Semester at Sea Wavelength Podcast. This is the 11th episode, and I, Patrick Fennell, will be your host. Every week on the podcast, we hear interviews, stories, and other audio from students, alumni, and or staff. Semester at Sea is a biannual study abroad program taking place during the fall and spring semesters, where students get the opportunity to study abroad on a ship and where the world becomes your classroom. Semester at Sea is hosted by ISE, the Institute for Shipboard Education, a nonprofit based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Semester at Sea is made possible with support of listeners like you. Whether student, alumni, or neither, visit semesteratsea.org. Check it out in the description below to get involved and find out more. You can also find Semester at Sea on any of your favorite social media platforms. Applications are currently open and accepted on a rolling basis. Donations are welcome and serve students the opportunity at experiences like you hear on this show. Now, today's first segment. Our first segment is a poem by Jake Palacio, a student from San Diego State University. Jake wrote this poem for Dr. Paul Muldoon's World Poetry Class on the Spring 2012 Voyage. Now, The Winding Road Home by Jake Palacio. The stories they'd tell us as children gave merit to those who climbed the mountain and to those who championed their goals. But the thing they always forgot to tell us was how the heroes got down from the peak. They taught us that the path was as important as the destination, and yet they always stopped halfway. They stopped when the hero defeated his enemy, and they stopped when the hero was happy. They stopped at the destination, and never once showed us the winding road home, because that road is unnerving and more challenging than the first. Getting to paradise is not what's difficult. What's difficult is leaving it behind. What's difficult is knowing that it's over. For you may find this place again someday, but it'll never be the same. It'll never be us here together in the way we were before. So say goodbye to those you'll not see again, and remind me to call you when I'm lonely. For we can talk and look back to this place, where we laughed, where we cried, and where we did many things in between. Since 1963, Semester at Sea has given over 73,000 individuals from 1,700 different academic institutions the unparalleled experience of visiting more than 60 countries across six of the seven continents. Semester at Sea serves undergraduate, gap year, and graduate students. Furthermore, the Lifelong Learner Program allows non-students to experience, explore, and learn alongside the students of the program. If you or someone you know wishes to apply or donate to this world-shifting experience, please visit semesteratsea.org for more information. Next up this week, in the fall of 2014, Cosette Hagen spoke at the TEDx Semester at Sea event in Helsinki. The subject of the talk, being an open book, follows Cosette's personal mission to bring discussion about mental health, quote, out of the dark and into the open, end quote. If you enjoy, please be sure to check out Cosette's book, Sockfoot Soldier, available on Amazon and Amazon Kindle. Most accessible 
by checking out the link in the description below this show. Now, Being an Open Book by Cosette Hagen. Enjoy. If I was a book, I wouldn't have a cover. I would just be pages glued together at the spine, completely exposed and vulnerable to everything. I wouldn't have a title. You wouldn't be able to catalog me on any shelf. You'd have to read every page of me before you knew where to put me. You'd find that one chapter of my story is about emotional confusion, mental illness, and the resulting decision to live life like an open book. I'll start my own mental illness story at a time when many other people start. High school. I was still learning what emotions were normal, what behavior was acceptable, and I didn't think I had a problem. Some days I was sad for no reason and I'd tell myself, oh, it's just hormones. Your body's still changing. Your head's just trying to balance itself out. But still, at what point was I too sad, too anxious? Was bursting into tears before every test normal? Was collapsing on the bed and sleeping for 12 hours straight just because of a growth spurt? Maybe, but maybe not. At some point, I knew something wasn't right. I went to school one day with a bottle of pills and a note I'd left behind at home. And I went to school knowing something was wrong. I knew I needed help, but I made a decision I'm very proud of to ask for help. Now in that moment in the middle of the school day, asking for help meant crawling to a classroom with friends, pantomiming and scribbling what was going on in my head, being escorted to the counselor's room, and calling my father. Luckily for me, I have a great relationship with my dad, and he was supportive, but not overbearing. After that awful climactic day at school, he took me to a crisis psychiatric appointment where I got my first diagnosis, depression. After that, I would keep a log of how I was feeling, and an entry would go something like this. Today, depression just wanted to sit on the couch, eat an entire pan of brownies, and watch Grey's Anatomy reruns. Today, depression just wanted to stare at a blank wall for an unreasonable amount of time. Today, depression couldn't be reasoned with at all. See, I treated my depression like it was an alter ego, a lead cape I was forced to wear, not part of my identity. Even in my words, I was distancing myself, and I had to make the slow, gradual shift to accommodating my depression instead of separating myself from it. That was hard. The first obstacle in my mental illness acceptance journey came with college applications. Now, up until that point, I had been blogging about pretty much everything in my life, including my diagnosis. My emotions and musings and trauma were online for the entire world to see, and many of my peers were familiar with that blog. But when thinking about college applications, how did I want my cyber self to look? After thinking about applications, they can do a simple Google search of your name and instantly know some of your darkest secrets. My dad firmly believed that I should only put on my best face and take down the blog. And I understand where he was coming from. When you're applying to schools, you're boasting and bragging while being humble. But having a mental illness doesn't really jive with the image parents want their little applicant to have. Still, his perspective was upsetting. Why should I have to hide a part of myself? A part of myself that I'm not even ashamed of. And then I became indignant because in my idealist innocence, any person or institution who couldn't accept the worst of me didn't deserve me at all. After that, I looked at my depression a different way. I wanted to be open and communicative about what I was doing, B 
because I didn't want to stand there and be judged only on one factor. There's still a stigma about having a mental illness, which is a little ridiculous, considering that one in four adults will face one in a given year. There's probably, what, 500 people in this room? So that's 125 of us, and we're right here. I hope that open attitudes and positive interactions can break that stigma because I don't want another friend to be discriminated against. I've known people who have been pushed out of their job or pushed out of universities like Rice and Yale under the false and presumed pretense, but it's for your own good. No, unless you've read every page of our story, you can't say what's best for us. I'd like to see more of an effort made to understand mental illness instead of just dismissing it. Over the past few years, I've been re-diagnosed as I fall and stand back up and grow and change. These days, I'm working with sporadic depression, generalized anxiety, and some obsessive compulsive tendencies. But these mental illnesses are not something that I am ashamed of. They're not something that I hide because I'm pretty proud of how far I've come. I've had wonderfully honest conversations about mental illness, and I'm attending a school that I love. Some people have said to me, how did you go from suicidal to fixed in such a short amount of time? Someone actually said that to me, fixed. The quick answer is, of course, that I didn't. I'll probably deal with depression my entire life. I deal with generalized anxiety on a daily basis, and I'm constantly wondering, hands, why are you so sweaty? What are you so nervous about? But my decision to be open and communicative about my mental illness has been the most productive step towards better, and it's a conscious choice that has had two positive impacts. First, being open gets me help. I think that's why my dad was okay with letting his slightly unstable daughter go to college all on her own. As I've heard him tell people, I'm not too worried. She always knows when to ask for help. And he's right because being depressed doesn't mean I'm not still self-sufficient. I seek help when I need it, and I've been wonderfully lucky to have friends who are there for me and make time to ask me how I'm doing. But letting people know what I struggle with has helped me with the hardest part of depression, feeling alone. The second impact I hope to make is to slowly break the stigma that comes with having any mental illness. I hope when people hear how comfortable I am with my diagnosis that they can look past it and hear that there are a hundred more interesting things about me. They'd hear about my secret love affair with Impressionism, my passion for a good polychromic coral arrangement, and my frustration with finding the perfect chocolate cake recipe. Mental illness is certainly a part of who I am, but it's by far not the most exciting thing. That blog, the one that listed the most personal thoughts of mine, I ended up putting a password on it to please my dad, or maybe because I started to worry that people I had never met before would judge me or label me. But I wish I hadn't. It means that I hid all of the other interesting things that I had to say. It means I censored myself instead of going out in the world as I am. Now, I would like to ask you all if we can revamp the conversation about mental illness. Help me take this enigmatic mystery out of the dark and into the open so people with mental illnesses aren't just seen as liabilities. My dad, he did a good job. Not perfect, but I made it out in one piece. If I should have children who suffer from mental illness, I want them to be able to ask questions about themselves without fear of persecution or bereavement from me. I hope they feel I accept them and support them because all of this is hard enough without worrying about your place in the world.
That's what I would want for my children, and that's what I ask society to do for me and the millions like me. Because when it comes to starting anything new, a job, a school, a relationship, the one in four of us shouldn't want to pretend that parts of ourselves don't exist. We should all feel safe enough to live like open books where we can share our stories without fearing we'll be slammed back on the shelf. As I've learned, it's impossible to be judged by your cover if you open up your own pages to be read by the world. Well, that just about wraps up this week's show. Special thank you to Jake Palacio, Cosette Hagen, and last but not least, Scott Ostrom, who you're about to hear from. And thank you for joining us. To any alumni, please reach out to the show. The content on this show is only possible with your help and your experiences. Once again, to apply, donate, or learn more, please visit semesteratc.org. Check the description. The Semester at Sea podcast will be back in two weeks on June 21st. Thank you for listening this week. Finally, we have a very special treat for all our alum today. While the captain leads us to nautical success and navigation, almost every semester is led by a different executive dean who leads the students to academic success. My voyage on spring 2014 was led by Executive Dean Mike Zoll. And while many of you may not have the pleasure of knowing Mike Zoll, many of you will recognize the voices of your own deans in our closing segment for this episode. The following segment, the the Dean Announcement Remix, was lovingly crafted by alumnus and Voyager Council member Scott Ostrom. So without further ado... The show will be back with another episode June 21st. Now, with these groovy tunes, sailing off. Four, three, two, one. Hit it! Good morning, Voyagers. This is Dean Bob. Are you ready to see the world? Hi, this is Dean Dan. Hello, this is Don Gogniak. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? This is Dean Wright. Dean John here. Good morning. May I have your attention, please? May I please have your attention? This is Dean Les McCabe. Hi, this is Lloyd Lewan. Hello, this is Dean Marty. We have a lot of good news. Can I have your attention, please? Dean John here. Remember three things. You're on a ship, not a boat. You're on a voyage, not a cruise. And you're sight thinking rather than sightseeing. Enjoy your day. I just have one question. Are you all in? You happen to be a lucky little bunny. There's one thing I can guarantee all of you. This voyage of discovery will live with you for the rest of your lives. Good morning, Voyagers. This is Dean Bob. I just wanted to remind you that we're going around the world on a ship. Hi, this is Dean Dan. How do I take 
the full advantage of a voyage, well, that's easy. All you have to do is just show up and make sure that all your lights are on. Remember, this will be the best voyage in the history of shipboard education. Enjoy your day. Have your attention, please. May I please have your attention? With the following two students, please report to the dean's office immediately. With the following people, please report to Berkshire Square immediately. 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 May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? This is Dean Wright. Will the following ID numbers please report to the medical clinic? ID 168, 254, and 517. Once again, ID 168, 254, and 517. Please report to the medical clinic. John here. Remember what Mark Twain said, throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds, explore, dream, and discover. Have a wonderful day. The ship is now clear. Please make your way to the gangway on deck two and enjoy your time in Vietnam. So we never forget what's important. China tomorrow. China tomorrow. China tomorrow. Good evening, this is Dean Wright. Japan tomorrow. Hi, this is Lloyd Lewan, and I remember saying this at the end of all pre-port tips as you're heading out for the experience in port. Remember why we sail. Represent us well. Hold hands and look both ways, and come home to me safely. Hello, this is John Gogniak. Never let your age get larger than the number of countries you've explored.